All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the Doctor Amongst Men, Duncan Joyce from the Them Now Whatever podcast. How's it going, Dunk? Really good here, Lee. Busy, busy, busy. I know. It's For, for once, it's not been... Um, me being too busy to hook up, you've had to put me off for once. <laughs> uh, it's, we're heading towards exam season here. We're in May now, and the first maths exam for my student is, oh, I think it's on the 24th. So I've got lots and lots of bookings. I've been having lots and lots of applications in to finish off. Um, and I've got a WrestleMania episode that I still need to edit. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to that one, actually. This is one of the first times I watched the majority of WrestleMania in years, so oh, I'm looking good. forward to hearing you and Kyle chat about it. Yeah, we've got um, Summies back as well this time around. Nice one. I only, um, I only, I think I only skipped the pre-show and the tag matches from memory. I think I watched everything else, but I'll find out when I listen along anyway. Oh, good. But we're not obviously here to talk about WrestleMania. We're still back in 2010, and we're coming near the end of the run here. I'm getting a little bit sad. This has been a good run. I've really enjoyed this. I know. I'm really, really keen to just blast it all out now. I'm like, I want to get rolling, but I kind of don't want it to end at the same time. I know, it's like the excitement. This will be the first actual arc that I finish um, on the show, but it's been one of the most enjoyable ones and has actually put me through some stuff I've not seen before so it's been really good to do yeah because I keep forgetting you've you checked out as a fan by this time hadn't you yeah about a year before this I think from memory I think I may have talked about this on one of the past shows before but um I, I checked back in and watched Brett come back and a couple of other little things and that was the That's last it. real remnants of watching yeah yeah and we're not far from there. We're April 19th, 2010, this time around. And we're going to have a look at a couple of interesting shows. Um, Raw coming from the Meadowlands, drawing a crowd of 15,411 and a rating of 3.05. And Impact coming from the Impact Zone, um, where they drew a rating of 0.95. So at the moment, their audience from the start of our run to now has dropped about 30%. Well, that's good. Um, Meadowlands, you mean the shadow of New York? <laughs> they do not know how to say New Jersey in WWE, do they? No, it's like when they're in, um, where were they? Uh, they're in Dayton, Ohio, and it wasn't Dayton, Ohio, it was the heartland of America. Heartland of America. <laughs> and um, the Rosemont Horizon, suburban Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, um, I suppose it's like TNA being in Missouri when they're like, a Ryanair distance away from Missouri, uh, from St. Louis. <laughs> I've no issue with, like, I guess, like, I live on the very outer edge of the north of Brisbane, and some, like, uh, the next suburb up is considered not Brisbane, and the suburb to the side is considered not Brisbane, but I always say Brisbane, um, and I don't mind if you're kind of, like, that's your nearest city, but when you're in a completely different state, <laughs> you're not in the shadows of New York, you're in New Jersey. <laughs> I'm but I guess tra- we can't be... I'll go on. Imagine if you're like in Newcastle, like, oh, I'm in the shadow of Scotland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I guess they're not alone because the, the New York Giants and the New York Jets each play out of um, MetLife Stadium, which is in uh, New Jersey. So they are both still called New York as well, I guess. That was it. Yeah. See, I knew it was a Giants. I didn't know there was another team there. Yeah. We... we, we... Break down, break this all down in our WrestleMania show as well. 
I've actually been to MetLife Stadium to watch a New York Jets game. Oh, right. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, great stadium. I can see why people had trouble getting out of there, though. It's kind of... Um, it's a giant stadium with like not really anything around it. It's got a smaller, like a basketball size arena. Or I think it's for the hockey. I want to say the New Jersey Devils play. Like it's on the same, you know, like they'd use the same car park. It's on the same complex kind of thing. Mm. But um, when I went there, they sort of fenced off a really narrow walkway, considering there's about, I guess, 80,000 people or something heading in. And it was, um, yeah, really sort of heavily policed that you had to walk down this one path and... Um, I wouldn't want to get stuck trying to get out of that in the rain with limited transport options, put it that way. Oh. Well, when I took the Madison Square Garden uh, arena tour, there was a basketball game on that day, and so we couldn't do the locker room tour as per usual. Oh, I did that tour as well. It was great. Yeah, I, I took it on your recommendation, and I loved it. Yeah, you couldn't go in the locker room when I was there anyway. You could just take photos from the side, I think, so you didn't miss much. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, very good stuff um, This uh, Raw, as we're going to get into in a moment Is um, interesting because a lot of the crew's missing as well So that throws a little bit of a spanner in the works for our viewing here um, And of course, we're in the weird timeline area Where we're going back in time for Raw Because it's six days before Extreme Rules, which we just reviewed But we're skipping ahead a day for TNA Because it's a day after lockdown, which we just reviewed So bear with us, if anything doesn't make sense If you've been listening along, that would be why Which is something I do pretty often So you're probably familiar with it by now Yep Which show did you watch first? I watched Impact first Okay, I did not, but I'm going to head over with you and do Impact. So, should we head over and have a look at what Impact has got to offer? Let's get rolling. Drop that down! The whole fucking show! Drop that down! Heading over to Impact the night after lockdown, um, and we get an opening video which reviews lockdown, which we've talked about in great detail already. And of course, our commentary team, as usual, is Taz and Mike Tanay. And for, to start the show out, we get AJ um, AJ Styles coming out to his awesome TNA theme, which I really love. Did you like that theme, Duncan? I did, yeah. There was one particular mix that I really, really loved, um, but... Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Um, you mentioned we went through lockdown in detail. The video package at the start with a sizzle reel of highlights went through in some very specific detail considering, you know, don't they have a replay to push? You know, maybe you don't want to spoil everything out of the gates. 
Just me. Yeah. WWE was great at that, weren't they? If they had the encore or if only ever showing still shots the night after a pay-per-view, they never showed any video footage. So maybe they could learn a little bit from that. Um, this is a running theme of this night. There's a couple more spots where this will come up where I will be disgruntled. He's um, the subject of some pretty big heat from the uh, the crowd here. They're getting all over him, which I found interesting. I always thought AJ was just one of them homegrown guys that would always sort of get pops anyway. But no, they're, they're really getting all over him in the early going here, as he calls himself the best in TNA. Did you spot the, how much does this guy weigh sign in the crowd? <laughs> I did, and it just oh, cracked me up. That takes me right to my nostalgia. <laughs> really great. Um AJ's bragging brings out RVD, um, who says that he's better than AJ Styles. Um, Starts to cut a little bit of a promo on him, but that brings Jeff Hardy out as well, who comes in to interject, but that doesn't last long either because Hulk Hogan comes out, and he asks Jeff Hardy and RVD if they want the title bad enough uh, to fight for it. AJ says he won't be ready um, by sacrifice for another match, and Hogan says it's not about sacrifice, it's all about tonight. Um, and basically, the the gist here is Jeff's going to fight Rob Van Dam, and the winner will take on AJ Styles later on in the evening. What did you think about this as an opening segment? Typical revolving door promo segment here. Lots of lines of interest, though. AJ Styles talked about how TNA does house shows all over the world. I'm like, it's just the UK and the US, mate. That's not. That's like two <laughs> particular spots of the world. When RVD came out to confront AJ Styles, he was like going on about, oh, you're probably confused right now. This is what we call a crowd reaction. I'm like, why would that confuse AJ? Like you say, people were <laughs> strong, very strongly reacting to AJ earlier on when he came out. Yeah, far more than RVD and Jeff when they came out, I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, RVD tells us that TNA is where all the wrestlers want to be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. Stretching it. <laughs> Jeff Hardy uh, seemed a bit off his tits here. He's like, AJ, you've got a little head to be so big headed. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's only seeing through about one and one and a quarter eyes at that point by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, and Hogan as well is like, this is exactly the reason everyone is talking about TNA. Like, what the same revolving door oh i want the title no i want the title segments that everybody else does yeah this was as raw as impact could possibly get for my money <laughs> for sure the other thing is why is aj Styles so upset about the prospect of having to face someone who's already wrestled once in the night for his title they're gonna be knackered you should be like oh okay yeah yeah and rvd fought twice the night before as well exactly yes yeah, so there it is. Um, on the way out of this segment, AJ's backstage and Ric Flair... Oh, sorry, Ric Flair walks in backstage. He meets up with AJ afterwards and he hears the news um, and goes a little bit ballistic as we go to the first commercial. Um, 20 minutes in and that was, yeah, the that's what we've had so far. So um, very, very Raw-esque this opening was. Yeah, talky-talky. Speaking of 20 minutes, the next match has a 20-minute time limit, LOL. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> that match is Daphne and ODB taking on the beautiful people for the tag team championships. Um, Lacey does a backflip into dropping an elbow. Um, Daphne hits an Enziguri. ODB hits a cool Fez press and then an ESOS. 
Um, Madison Rain on the outside sprays something in the eyes of Daphne and ODB. And we get a roll up for a one, two, three. And I put here, complete waste of time, but not 20 minutes, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit meh. Too short to be offensive, really. I thought it was interesting yeah. how uh, you had a Von Eric freebirding it in the tag title scenes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is interesting. Yeah. Did you hear as well, Taz um, Taz mentioned that Dixie had told him that X-Pac had notified Dixie about him being unable to go to lockdown, so he, he wasn't in trouble in the first, in actual reality. No, I never, I missed that. I wish I'd heard that. That's that's actually really interesting. Yeah, so, you know, um, Taz kind of took a shit on him the previous night, didn't he? So, I guess that's his... He sure did, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well, Tanae mentioned that Daphne was keen to go after Lacey in this match because she stole the spotlight from her in the lockbox challenge. And I'm like, she... Lacey saved Daphne from a strip tease that she didn't want to perform? Yeah. <laughs> I think she'd do her a favour. She did her a massive favour, but yeah... Um... It's just um, this knockouts division at the moment is is a bit of a mess. It's really just the same kind of thing they're doing in WWE, to be honest, but more nonsensical. It's so confusing, isn't it? And the other thing about spoilers, they ran a ticker tape at the bottom of the screen during this match that listed the results from lockdown. Yeah, nobody's buying that replay. (laughs) At least when, like, you... The news is on before match of the day, say, and the sport comes up on the news like, oh, match of the day is almost on. Do you want to look away, not spoil the results? You know, go ahead, get out of the room. <laughs> TNA just like, yeah, this, this, and this happened. You'll have to watch lockdown now. We're not interested in making money. <laughs> Save your money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from there, we go backstage, and Jeremy Borash is kind of spying on Ric Flair and AJ Styles through a small opening in a door, which is a little bit creepy. Um, They're basically arguing about the title match, aren't they? Yeah, the little sneak. And then when JB comes storming in, it's like, sorry, Rick, what was that earlier? What were you saying? And Rick was just like, what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to cut a promo now. Woo! Like, would you not tell him to fuck off and mind his own business? Yeah, I'd probably suggest he knocks. (laughs) Um, Flair does cut a promo and he demands a rematch between Team Hogan and Team Flair from the night before and he says he's going to give them five minutes or they forfeit I don't really know that that's how it works but sure Deary me. we go to a commercial and when we come back Abyss is out as is Jeff Jarrett and they say they're game for a rematch Ric Flair brings his whole team out, which is obviously going to outnumber them because Jeff Hardy and RVD have their match coming up, so they're not out. 4v2, um, but Rob Terry comes out to help, basically wipes them all out, but he really badly botches a press slam and a big boot during his saving of, of the uh, faces here. Yes, I spotted this as well. Just Gorilla pressing Desmond onto Sting just went completely wrong, and then he fell over chasing Sting away. Yeah, it was not the best... Um, you know, I, this was designed to get him over as a big, huge baby face, and he kind of blew it a little bit. Yeah, bumbled a bit. So, you mentioned we went to commercial. We didn't just go to any old commercial. We went to a commercial for TNA's house shows coming up in Macon and Albany in Georgia, which is probably all over the globe, according to Gainesville's AJ <laughs> Styles. And did you yeah, I'm, see- I'm sure... I'm sure they're heading under new continents the month after. <laughs> Did you see what they were plugging as the main draw for these set of house shows? 
No, what was it? It wasn't any wrestlers. It wasn't any matchups. It was Don West's insane brown paper bag deals. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, don't don't worry about coming to a wrestling show to watch wrestling. Come and get this crazy mystery bag full of wrestling merch. Oh lord, Don West can sell anything, though. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Um, when we come out of that, uh, we go backstage and Bischoff says that they have a fourth man backstage for the rematch later on, so it's going to be 4v4 after all. Oh, well, before we got to that, uh, we had Matt Morgan finding Shannon Moore backstage, uh, reading his book of Dillygaff, and Morgan's still using the Royal Wii, which I still really liked, and Shannon picks up on this. He's like, are you counting your ego as a second person now? Oh, I've got this out of order. I must have um, skipped ahead and back or something here because I, I do have that coming up. Uh, um, I've, I've got Bischoff saying they've got a fourth man backstage for later, going to a commercial. Then when we come back, I had Matt Morgan asking, yeah, Shannon Moore to be his partner. Shannon Moore, of course, holding the book of Dillygaff, as you said. Conspicuous, as I, I try and speak, he very suspiciously is holding it at an angle that only the camera can see. So I made note here that I guess wrestlers don't just watch TV on funny angles. They also read books on funny angles as well. <laughs> they're, they're doing the exact opposite of Hulk Hogan's advice, which is to <laughs> be aware of cameras at all times. <laughs> He's openly <laughs> prepared cool. for having cameras there. <laughs> but yeah, Shannon... Splice... Mm, go on. If Shannon just blows him off because he's got an X-Division title shot next week instead. Anymore, just the man with... Ah, the book of Dillagap, pretty cool. Send us a copy, looks interesting. All right, listen, Shannon, let's be real. The reason we're here is because, well, teeny management is uh, pretty much putting a gun to our heads, and they're making us defend these titles next week versus Team 3D. Now, as you and, well, let's be honest, the whole world knows, we don't need any help defending these titles, but teeny management is finding it imperative that I find a new partner next week. That's why we come to you, Shannon Moore, the Prince of Punk, okay, a guy who, let's be real, with some gold around your waist, match with those cool tattoos that you have, and makeup and hair gel doesn't matter listen bottom line we need a partner do you want some gold around your waist or not we yeah we 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 what you count your ego as a second person now (laughs) shannon we are the tna world tag team champions and we are allowing you to join us Unless you got something better to do next week other than be, I don't know, a world champion. You know what? As a matter of fact, I do. I got to mentally get prepared for my X Division title shot next week. And as far as your answer goes, <laughs> the Book of Dillygaff says on chapter 22, verse 6, that both of you guys can kiss my tattooed ass. You know, I kind of liked having two characters that probably don't talk a lot interacting backstage, so I didn't mind this segment so much. It started to improve the show a little bit around about this point for me. Well, kind, kind of fun. Sets two matches up for next week. Uh, the, the Hogan and Bischoff thing who turned a bit sour at the end. Um, now, Bischoff mentioned that he's got this revolutionary new ranking system. Yes. We're going to see debut next week. And he tells Miss Teshmacher to get the green thingy to show it off to Hulk. And Hulk quips, what about my thingy? And then Eric <laughs> goes, "She's she takes great dictation. I oh, know, that was so bad, wasn't it? 
was almost my dick move of the night. Like, I don't know why it wasn't my dick move of the night. There's something coming up on Raw that I've decided to highlight instead. But still, that's fucking terrible. It's really, really cringeworthy. And um, I can only imagine Hulk Hogan on the witness uh, stand saying that was uh, that was Hulk Hogan saying that, brother. Terry Bollea doesn't speak like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, moving right along, <laughs> she'd be taking a, she'd be taking a bigger dictation if it was Hulk Hogan's brother. <laughs> Terry Bollea does not have a ten inch. No, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, I knew it. I was trying to get away from. It. <laughs> oh, we had to go there. <laughs> Good old Gorka. <laughs> Oh, we we <laughs> we move out of this chat about the ranking system and the secretary, and we see RVD walking, which is another classic raw trope there going on. So we um we're definitely copying our our industry leaders at this point in time. But mm-hmm. when we come back, it's time for that matchup: Jeff Hardy versus Rob Van Dam. I was I was thinking this was a pretty decent little match to throw on free TV here. I thought if they're going to compete with Raw, then two big names they've poached from the WWE in fairly recent times would be a good way to do it. Absolutely, yeah. Jeff Hardy, like when he left the WWE the previous year, was like their biggest merch mover. And so you're like, surely just put a rocket onto his ass. But I guess they're a little bit cautious about his... Uh, like run-ins with the law, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely, and rightfully so. Um, RVD and Jeff shake hands to start, and we chain wrestle before going to a commercial already. And when we come back, RVD's already busted open, which I found really jarring. This is what I was saying last episode. TNA cannot dress a wound at all. Nope. <laughs> it's leaking again. Um, when the action is back with us, we see RVD's patented spinning heel kick to RVD draped over the over the guardrail. A slingshot. I really cannot speak on this episode. A slingshot leg drop and a top rope crossbody for a two count. Jeff comes back with a drop kick to the knee and a clothesline for a two. And the crowd is really hot during this. Did you did you take note of how invested in this match the crowd seemed to be? Uh, I was more invested in the match itself, really. I was too busy keeping track of the moves because this that's some really decent action here. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. We get a spring uh, springboard kick from RVD, a rolling thunder for a two, and a split-legged moonsault for a two. Jeff Hardy comes back with a front suplex, misses the swanton, and this allows RVD to hit him with the five-star spl- Five star frog splash for the one, two, three. And yeah, really good back and forth uh, little matchup. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it didn't really get any more complicated than you do a move, okay, and then you do a move, but not bad at all. Rob Van Dam really looking over all of our storylines so far has been a bit of a sleeper hit when it comes to TV matches. You always sort of depend on him. So you can kind of see why they might want to push him up to the title scene here. Um, yeah, it just kept going back and forth for closer and closer we got to the end. Lots of good action. I was very pleased with this. Absolutely. So, of course, RVD will uh, face AJ Styles in the main event for the title later on. Christy Hemi is now backstage with RVD and Jeff Hardy and asks for them to commentate on the replays of their match, which is a little bit awkward, but I do applaud them for trying something different. Um, good sports, not 
fake like um, foreshadowing heel turns after a face first face match and just getting on with it is something we probably don't see enough of in wrestling and kind of adds a little bit of I think it, it really layers the characters a bit more if they don't all just follow the same formula what do you think yeah I was fine with that sense in the, the way the characters reacted to the match but um, but I agree with you this is a interesting new idea as far as a from a production standpoint, but you've probably picked the two wrong guys to do this with, because the observations calling them match are just the most banal observations you'll ever hear. It's just like you know, Rob Van Dam. He's always gets so pissed off about just being cool, whatever dude in WWE. But here, when he's just watching his own match, like, oh whoa, I can't believe I did that. And then Jeff Hardy's just like, oh yeah, you sure got me good there, Rob. Yeah. Oh man, I thought I was gonna win it here. It's like, oh, but then, dude, I did this. It was unbelievable. It didn't really add anything. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you got me there with the big suplex, Jeff. But I come back with the five star frog splash. Oh, that thing hurts it's like, like oh hell, man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so bad. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, I, I, I liked the idea. I, you're right. It wasn't the right two guys, and it wasn't executed properly. Um. And then backstage, we switch gears, and it's Abyss cutting a babyface promo this time, trying to fire up Rob Terry and Jeff Jarrett. So Abyss is the um, the leader of the faces in the in the vein of Hulk Hogan, and doesn't really do it for me, if I'm being honest. He hints that their fourth man is going to be a bombshell. <laughs> we shall see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, of course, takes us to our semi-main event. It is the rematch of sorts. Team Hulk Hogan taking on Rick Flair's team. We go to a commercial before we start, and it's brawling when we come back. Sting and Jeff Jarrett are brawling through the crowd using weapons, chair shots. Um, We're told this is going to be the same sort of format as last night, obviously Sansa Cage, where it's going to be a a five-minute segment, and then we get entrance coming in every two minutes thereafter. They do eventually get back in the ring and Jeff Jarrett fights back from his beatdown. But this time around, it's the heels with the advantage and Desmond Wolf comes out. And we have tag rules as well. So yeah, lots of little differences from the night before, but same sort of format. Mm. Uh, Jeff Jarrett openly says, oh shit on camera and they didn't censor it in time. <laughs> but I couldn't, bl- yeah, I couldn't blame him though because there's some like nasty barricade shots and the brawl at the start of this match was really really intense i was really into it yeah i probably could have just gone with a hardcore sting jeff jarrett match and been quite happy here yeah actually yeah um rob terry's the next baby face out um and he comes in and hits a backdrop a clothesline and cleans house um and then we have orlando jordan just chilling out on the ramp having a bit of a watch so interesting that one um, we get a jackhammer from Rob Terry and we go to another commercial. When we come back, it's three on three. Um, Bobby Roode and Abyss have come out. Abyss is all over Bobby Roode, but James Storm's the next one out. And he comes out and hits a blockbuster. And then a double team on Abyss. Jeff Jarrett comes in with a double clothesline. And the fourth member of the Faces comes out. And it's none other than the returning Samoa Joe, which gets a really good pop from the crowd. Yeah, he's in his old school trunks as opposed to his disco gladiator shorts that he had beforehand. And he had to tag himself into this match because Jarrett was selling the surprise brilliantly here. He's just like, what is you? Because um, we've only seen, well, since we started doing the TV, we've only seen a little clip of Samoa Joe like on the run or whatever because he'd been kidnapped by ninjas. <laughs> 
not. I'm not making that up. <laughs> I know. It's just. It's as bad as it sounds. So this is a kind of a, a retcon here, and nice surprise. Yeah, he tags himself in, as you said, and takes out everybody to Big Joe's Gonna Kill You chance, which is just, I love that chant. It's really cool. Hits a muscle buster, gets the one, two, three, and that's him done, walks out. So really, really cool reintroduction of Samoa Joe. Mm, yeah. The match overall was a bit of a shit sandwich, really. Uh, the opening portion with the intense brawl with Sting and Jarrett was awesome. Joe's return to close it off was awesome. The middle... Eh, not awfully compelling. I think they sort of hamstrung themselves with the stipulations of the match here because they really just limited the story to, oh, the fresh man tags in the match and didn't really do anything with it. I think they could have done with some um, WWE-style creative clockwork here and timed the ad breaks to be coming to an end and then someone coming out from their minute like they could have done a lot more to keep the suspense going in and out of the commercials for me yeah and like that's the thing why would you book this match if you not got assurances that you're not going to go to commercial because like you were saying in the run through we just came back from commercial once and oh abyss and rude are here now and they've just been wrestling yeah. a regular match Two guys coming out during a commercial is not good for this kind of match. No. But yeah, no, overall, I think the ending was good anyway. We go to another commercial after this, and Ric Flair challenges Abyss for a match on the other side, ring versus ring, his Hall of Fame ring, up against Abyss's or Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring. So interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> oh, whatever that farty <laughs> noise that V1 makes is. <laughs> <laughs> Before they show the clip of Flair issuing that challenge, uh, you could just hear Mike Tanay on mic going, Oh! Like, I think he was shocked at the, when they came back from commercial. A like, eh, little more production snafus here. Yeah, it wasn't their finest hour. Um, I still can't get my head around guys in TNA battling for WWE Hall of Fame rings either. Hmm. It's very small time for small time. Yeah, agreed. But that takes us to our main event of impact, Rob Van Dam and AJ Styles for the TNA Heavyweight Championship. AJ gets a jump on RVD early and we go to a commercial break again. We get a quick exchange coming back out of that commercial and then AJ with a lovely drop kick and a leg whip. And then we go into a bit of a uh, slugfest for a moment. Coming out of that, RVD hits a cool monkey flip and the rolling thunder before AJ locks in Ric Flair's finishing move, the figure four leg lock. Doesn't work, doesn't get the submission, but coming out in the next sequence, he hits a Pele kick, followed by a um, eating a spring springboards into a powerbomb from RVD. RVD gets up to the ropes, hits his five-star, and just like that, one, two, three, RVD is a new TNA heavyweight champion. Um, not the epic encounter for getting the belt off AJ that I was expecting. What did you think? I have similar feelings to this. It felt a bit anticlimactic as far as having a title change. And I also feel a bit sorry for Pope too. Rob Van Damme, yeah. uh, coming out, his cut wasn't even cleaned or dressed or anything. He's just still got blood on his face. <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake. They didn't have any nearby medical facilities, I'm guessing. No. I was a bit put off. AJ didn't have his wrist tape for this match either. It felt a little bit more casual, but still, it wasn't all that bad. There were a few flubs because this is Rob Van Dam's fourth match in 48 hours, so obviously he's knackered. But no, I enjoyed it. 
Uh, whether it's the right thing to do as far as a title change goes, uh, bit unsure. But like yeah. I was saying earlier, Rob Van Dam has been a very consistent television performer all throughout our timeline. Yeah, I mean, RVD is a good choice for someone to try and make a bigger name to sort of headline your company for a while. But I don't think they built him up well enough to do it this way. And I don't think they gave AJ the proper send-off he really deserved for what seemed to me to be a pretty excellent title run. Mm. Well, even though we didn't give AJ the send-off, they went all out with the celebrations for Rob Van Dam. They did. Confetti coming from the ceiling. Um, we get... Jeff Hardy coming out to celebrate, then a bunch of the baby faces led by Hulk Hogan and Dixie Carter, and the Dudleys lift RVD up on their shoulders. It's very um, Bret Hart WrestleMania 10 or Lex Luger, despite not winning the belt, SummerSlam 93. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward that Van Damme had to spend ages celebrating without the belt just so Hogan could come out and give him the belt. Um, yeah, it was a bit staged, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you notice what colour the confetti was? Was it red and yellow by it, any chance? It was red and yellow, yeah. Celebrating Hulk Hogan, I mean Rob Van Damme's glorious title victory. Do, do you get the impression, I don't know if I'm making this up in my head, but I, through this whole timeline, I've got the impression that RVD might be Hulk's pick to be the, the leader of the company? Uh, that sounds about right. If you listen to, what if you go back and read interviews with Hogan around this time, he's just like, oh, Rob Van Dam, he's raising this game to another level, brother, and he's really, really high on Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> um, yeah, um, after all the celebrations have patted down, uh, Taz plugs for Abyss and Flare match for next week, and Tanae plugs the replay of the pay-per-view. <laughs> Uh, I think that ship may have sailed. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, a bit of a mixed bag of impact. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It had enough going on that it kept me interested. I don't know that coming out of that, had I watched it at the time, I'd be desperate to check out the next week. But I certainly didn't... Th I wouldn't have turned it off halfway through and never watched again. Mm, very sort of focused format here. Lots of the same faces getting multiple segments. Uh, the title situation getting much more importance after being like shunted to the mid-card and the lockdown pay-per-view. A very different kind of show from the last time TNA were coming off a pay-per-view, where we had the show after Destination X, where they showcased a bunch of the wrestlers who weren't on the pay-per-view, and you got, like, Foley and Jarrett wrestling each other. Here, the, the fallout from imp from lockdown was of a much greater focus here, and, like, the future of the title scene, and, uh, like, Flair's grievances and stuff like that. So, very strange, focused show, um, with a couple of decent matches, really. I, I wasn't... I enjoyed this more than lockdown. Yeah, I think it's funny. I, as we talked about last time, I really enjoyed lockdown and didn't mind that. Um, so I think this is similar. It's got some stuff that wasn't so great. It's got some stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I think we're probably just still kind of on opposite sides of the fence on that one, but not not a million miles apart. 
Um, with that being said, that brings us to the end of lockdown and the halfway point. Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that. Um, do you, do you have anything in mind to discuss for this week's memorabilia lane? I do actually. Yeah. Um, someone on Twitter this morning was posting, uh, like the, the recipe names from WWE's cookbook and it oh. <laughs> was so cringy, but it brought me back to like the, some of the wrestling books that I get as a, as a youngster. Um, the one I'd always rent from the library is there was this big history of wrestlemania compendium that went through like wrestlemania 1 to wrestlemania 2000 and that was always a really cool read and that was how i found i out. never owned it but i remember that book yeah um well like i said i never owned it i'd all our school library have had it and I'd always try and grab it as much as possible that's how i found out that howard finkel came up with the name for wrestlemania like playing off beatlemania and not the Colossal Tussle. <laughs> the Colossal Tussle, yeah. There's a fair few uh, indie shows called The Colossal Tussle uh, around here like, that had WrestleMania screenings after the show ended. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. My all-time favourite wrestling book, though, was... I forget the precise title of it, but WWE did like a 2003 yearbook that ran through all of the storylines and news events of WWF and WWE in 2002. And yeah. it had a load of lists of like title histories and things like that. Um, little spots about um, little Mark Henry coming back from the Arnold Classic and little tidbits that I hadn't really appreciated following the storylines in real time. And... Yeah, another thing that's so vivid about that to me is it just illustrated how much of a transformative year 2002 was. Like, the World Wrestling Federation at the start of 2002 is virtually unrecognisable from World Wrestling Entertainment at the end of that year. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I I still believe there's a little reign of terror to blame for a big portion of that, but that's a discussion <laughs> that we've had already. <laughs> No, um, yeah, no, you're right. And they, they, I used to um, be quite obsessed with some of the old school books back in the day as well. There was a period of time where I bought every wrestling autobiography that came out, and um, yeah, I didn't get either of the two books that you just mentioned. That I did read the history of WrestleMania one. I don't know whose I had, but I definitely had it and read it one time. Um, I want to say it came with a DVD or something with it as well, maybe. Um, yes. So I definitely saw it, but um, not not one that I owned. I I'm trying to think back now, like back in my real book buying days, which were the, the ones were my favourites. I can tell you which ones my least favourites, and that was The Rock and China. They were both awful autobiographies or biographies. I didn't have China's, but I had The Rocks, and I didn't finish it. That's <laughs> just how offended I was by it. Just... Ch- China's is is worse oh, by some really? way. Oh my god! Yeah, In, like down to misspelling wrestlers' names. Oh jeez. 
yeah, she's um, it was a train wreck of a book. If you like, <laughs> if you if you, it's hard to describe, but she basically writes about a life the way you imagine China after leaving the WWE would write about a life. Oh, okay. This just brings me back to uh, Mick Foley going on about writing his like his handing in his handwritten manuscripts for his books and um when he talk about terry funky calling the funker but the typist would misread it as the fucker <laughs> that's brilliant i think with the exception of foley's books at that like from the original probably first few year run of wwe autobiographies my one of my favorites would have to have been william regal's Oh, I never had that, but I was dying to get it. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. It's a really good read. And Regal had a fascinating life and tells it in a good spirit as well. He's very, he's not one of them, you know, over the top apologists now that he's gotten himself clean and into good ways. He's very realistic about his life, but he's also not doom and gloom and hate the world either. So he's a really good middle ground for someone who wants to have an honest look at the wrestling business. Oh, cool. That will do it for Memorabilia Lane today. We've had a bit of an audio recap. Uh, sorry, a, a, a bit of a book review here for everybody. But we, I think this is something we could possibly revisit again and maybe have a chat about some more books in one of these segments coming up soon. Yeah, no problem. My first note on war is, thank God, it's still two hours. <laughs> and I tell you what, it felt longer than that as well. Well, if this kind of thing happened in this day and age, they'd be sorted because they'd just grab all the NXT people from the Largo loop and you'd have like, uh, two and a quarter hours of good wrestling for once. Yeah, it'd actually be a better show. Yeah. <laughs> Triple H comes out and tells us that the Raw roster's stuck in the UK. Not him, though, because he didn't go. <laughs> yeah, he was on holiday for some reason. <laughs> he says that the WWE universe take it in their stride. They're used to gassy eruptions, but that's just the big show when he eats Mexican food. Ha, ha, ha. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah. Um, he cuts a promo on Sheamus, but he's interrupted by CM Punk and the SES. Uh, they have a good little back and forth. Um, Triple H makes fun of them all. He calls them... Um, what did he call them? Two. I can't read my own writing here. He call... Oh, has, uh, makes fun of them all. Then he calls two guys gay and Lillian a horse, which I thought was really harsh. Sorry, he calls two guys in the front row gay and calls Lillian Garcia a horse. Dick move of the night right here, what he did to Lillian. Lillian wasn't even with the company anymore. She came over out of the kindness of her heart because Justin Roberts would be stranded in... Britain still and you're like hey Lily you kind of look like a horse and Michael Cole buddy piled on as well I know and she was on camera so she just had to laugh about it too but it really was a bit of a bastard move fuck's sake 
he kind of um I rather liked him making fun of straight exercise's choice of words here as punk's like I'm gonna bring the entire straight exercise more and Triple H's just like entire what you mean like two people <laughs> yeah it was um it, it was I don't I don't know like there was some good bits but it it was a little bit long and then yeah he definitely went a bit he kind of buried everyone in sight, really, didn't he? Which is really unlike Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> well, like most promos, Lee, it all went wrong when he started being all freedom, America. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they eventually jump him with the numbers game, as Michael Cole tells us. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to cut his hair, but Rey Mysterio comes out to save him. Save him and Cole... Um, says numbers game again as, as um, he goes against Punk and cuts a lock off CM Punk's hair. Um, so that was a interesting little tease for the hair match coming up at um, at Extreme Rules. I, I found that to be quite a good little end to that segment. I did. I liked that running. I like Serena punting Triple H in the ribs as well. Yeah, it was good. Um, we get told our guest host for tonight is the cast of Magruba and we go to a commercial break. When we come back, um, Drew McIntyre is defending the Intercontinental Championship against Matt Hardy, but you'd be forgiven for thinking it was Dwayne Gill and Barry Horowitz because neither of them got an entrance. Well, when they initially came back from commercial, Michael Cole was too busy plugging the fantasy draft that you could do on WWE.com. Yeah, this was an absolute afterthought. Um, The match starts with an outside brawl. We get a short clothesline from Drew McIntyre and Matt Matt Hardy... um, selling a concussion from the steps. So he bumped his head on the steps and he's selling this as though he's a little bit woozy. He hits a side effect for a two and a backdrop, but then they clash heads. Matt climbs, um, goes to climb the the turnbuckles, but he's pulled off and McIntyre picks up the one, two, three in a really lame nothing contest. Imagine Drew McIntyre and Matt Hardy having a match today on Raw. It'd be a big deal. But um, yeah, back then it was just a complete throwaway. It was breezy, but really wasn't all that special. That finish was a downer. Cole, again, was a bit distracted talking about the draft during this match, calling it an annual rite of spring. There you go. Um, (laughs) I suppose it's better than talking about the annual spring cleaning they used to do after WrestleMania. (laughs) It's like, yeah, the weather can't change yet, lads. We've not done our draft yet. (laughs) <laughs> the other thing as well, when they were plugging WWE.com, they had a screenshot of the site's landing page, and you'll never guess what I saw there. What did you spot? It's our first glimpse of the infamous WWE app. Ooh. That will um probably be largely swept under the carpet and barely talked about, I'd imagine. <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to mention this whatsoever. Um, from there we get John Cena checking in live from Belfast um, where my good buddy Mark resides so hopefully he's listening and hello Mark (laughs) Um, and he cuts a promo on Batista Um, he calls him oh sorry yeah basically cuts a promo on Batista nothing really to write home about here did you what did you think about Cena's uh, studio interview there I liked how he talked about swimming the Atlantic just to get to Extreme Rules. He probably could do that. Yeah, I'd imagine. John Cena! (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just picturing him now, like Super Saiyan John Cena with his arms <laughs> flapping about in the water, like swimming across. I can just, whenever I hear anyone make the noise of that music, I just think Super Showdown or whatever it was on that prank call. Have you heard Have you heard that call? I don't believe so, no. Oh, I'm going to splice a bit of it into the show if I can find it on YouTube. It's actually really funny. It's um, it's basically a guy phoning up, like cold calling, trying to get someone to buy an a, a imaginary WWE pay-per-view. And he keeps on calling back under different guises and just goes straight into the ad once he's lulled the, the poor woman into thinking it's a different call. Oh. Hello? I have just one question for you. Are you ready? Am I ready for what? Who's this? Are you ready for this Sunday night when WWE champ John Cena defends his title in the WWE Super Slam? Right now you can order this awesome pay-per-view event for just $59.99. I'm sorry, no, there is not any chance in hell that we're ever going to have wrestling in this house again. But thank you, but no. Have a good day. Hello? And goodbye to anyone standing in John Cena's way when he takes on six men in a steel cage shoots and ladders match at WWE Super Slam. Order now and take $10 with a low, low price of just $49.99. Sir, you guys just called me, and as I mentioned before, we're not ordering this, so please stop calling my house. Thank you and goodbye. Hi, can I speak to Champ? Who? Champ? Is Champ there? Who is Champ? That question will be answered this Sunday night! Hey, sir! Taking you on Shane! calling my house! The Undertaker! Quit calling me! See a punk! And even Triple H of the Big Show in a spit swapping makeout match! WWE Super Listen! Hello? Hello? Can you stop screaming in your little sirens and whatever that is? Can you knock it off for five seconds? Not interested! Stop calling my fing house! I'm watching you. Excuse me? That's exactly what The Undertaker told John Cena! But will he be able to take the belt from the mightiest champion in WWE history at this weekend's WWE Super Slam? For the love of all that is stop calling my house before I get your number, I will track you down and absolutely tear you to Okay, good morning. Uh, Hi, I'm just calling this morning to ask if you're a supporter of the United States military. Oh my God, I apologize. We've been getting calls all morning. I I apologize, and yes. Fantastic. Great. Are you a supporter of the Marine Corps? 
Yes, absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Great, because a former decorated member of the United States Marine Corps needs your support. And his name is John Cena! He's gonna get in the ring and put boots to asses this Are weekend. you kidding me right now? That's pretty funny. Um, but from there, we go to a double down, KFC double down, which is amazing. Flashback, and we see, um, we see um, Kozlov and Carlito threaten Magruba and Kobla, Kozlov. Sorry, from the I'm really struggling on this one. Apologies to everybody listening. I'm worse than usual. We go to the flashback of last week's show where Kozlov and Carlito are threatening to. I don't know what they kind of insinuated that they might hurt the cast of Magruber if they don't give them what they want when they show up to host the show tonight. Yeah, I just had he vows to destroy Magruber. And there, Kozlov comes out and he gets Jerry Lawler up from the commentary table and makes him read his statement. Um, the cast of Magruber come out during this and announce uh, the main event. Um, they insult, which is going to be the big six-man tag we'll talk about later. They insult Kozlov. And um, they bring out R-Truth, and this it really takes a turn for the worst here. They have R-Truth rapping on the ramp, who doesn't attempt to walk down the ramp. But a bomb blows up and supposedly kills R-Truth, because we just see his boots and nothing else when it comes back up. Boots are on fire, as though Papa Shango had put a curse on him before the match. And um, he's gone. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I told you it was a minor miracle that he made it to Extreme Rules. <laughs> <laughs> Magruba, when he came out, he rubbed the US flag in Kozlov's face. Magruba is a complete dickhead, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> well, he, he's good talking up about New Jersey, defending them, and listing Bon Jovi, Paul Blart Mall Cop, Snooky, and the <laughs> situation as some great New Jerseyans. Yeah, really, really. They should just. I, I think everybody in the crowd just basically wanted to say, "Well, I'm from the shadow of New York, so it doesn't affect me." <laughs> <laughs> There's one point where he slags off uh, Kozlov's mum, and Kristen Wiig's like, uh, he, "He's not speaking for both of us. I think your mom's uterus is awesome." <laughs> it was just just disgusting. Oh, well, speaking of disgusting. The next yep. vignette. Well, the, the next backstage bit. <sighs> um, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, we've, after coming out from the commercial, Magruber's backstage uh, with Triple H and he's trying to escape the arena so Kozlov doesn't kill him because Kozlov's obviously demanded a match with him. Um, and it turns out that he's peed in his pants, apparently, because Triple H can smell it. So this was... Um, Pretty bloody awful. Kane then turns up as well and speculates that he might have shot himself too. Yeah, just really, really going, pulling out all the stops and hitting all the classics here. You know that infamous uh, Bang 316 segment? Yes. Do people think Vince legitimately pissed himself in the ring? I think the speculation that he did, I... I think a lot of, I think, you know, to me, it's probably just wrestlers being carnies, but a lot of it basically said over the years, well, you know, Vince will do anything to show the boys that he'll do anything he asks them to do. See, for me, there's a really, really obvious moment when Austin grabs Vince's collar and that's when he went all bug-eyed and stuff. And 
I feel like that was Austin pushing a switch that they uh, activated the pipe in Vince's pants. And that's where the liquid came from. Yeah, I don't know if... Um, I talk about stage fright when peeing. I don't know if I could pee on command in front of 15,000 people. No, I, I, I struggle um, going to urinals. Yeah, I've actually just probably only really got comfortable standing in front of one of them in the last probably one to two years. Like, it's one of them things. It's just, it's an awkward thing. Doing it in front of an arena, I just, yeah, I'd be dry as a bone. (laughs) This is making me think of that Charlie Brooker screen wipe segment where he did this (laughs) fake documentary about people too nervous to pee in public. (laughs) And got them all (laughs) peeing a field in a row and... (laughs) Oh my god! Like playing up those, um, like oh, this person has a really severe disorder, and he is their journey type type shows. <laughs> Somehow, it didn't hold me back in life. <laughs> <laughs> we then get Randy Orton in Belfast, um, and he basically says he's going to go to wherever the world heavyweight champion is. So if Swagger's on Raw or SmackDown, he's going to follow him. Nothing pro right, again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly enlightening. But, yeah, I interpreted this the same way as you. When, Whenever Cole would bring this promo up subsequently, he'd be like, oh, Randy Orton says that he's going to have a World Heavyweight title after Extreme Rules, so the World Heavyweight title is going to be on the same brand as him. I'm like, that's not the way the wording kind of suggested it. No, it's not how it read to me either. No. We go to a slam of the week, which is Jack Swagger stealing a win in a three-way against Jericho and Edge. So some more strong booking from our latest world champion. Best match of his title run, actually. Yeah, the slam of the week brought by Pep Boys Auto. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really awesome. Um, We get a bit of an uh we get lillian introducing jack swagger and i realized we're 40 minutes in and we've had two minutes of wrestling at this point so i thought um impact was bad before this is topping it swagger comes out and issues an open challenge um nobody comes out but then the gong goes off and it's the undertaker i loved it yeah that's sort of that's one of the the wwe things isn't it where if they've got people away they try and bring something bigger and better but he even talks about this trope like during his open challenge. like, yeah, usually this big monster comes out and destroys someone, but that's not going to happen to me because everybody's stuck in, in England still. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was pretty excited by this. Um, the match gets started and Swagger hits a shoulder block before Taker goes under the arm and hits his old school. Swagger goes under the leg and they brawl along the outside before coming back in on the leg and then back on the outside again. Undertaker hits his apron leg drop and a snap suplex for a two as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Swagger's back on the leg and wraps it around the ring post. Undertaker fights back with snake eyes, a big boot and a leg drop for a two. Swagger hits a DDT for a two and goes for the Vader bomb but gets caught into a choke slam. Undertaker then hits a tombstone for the one, two, three as we go to a commercial break. And I was like, oh, it wasn't for the title. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Good job it wasn't for the title. Because um, he was jobbed out. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit disappointed by this, really. Swagger had this leg lock on forever in this match. Um, 
it no, it had flashes of brilliance, like the choke out of the Vader bomb spot for the finish. But this, it kind of felt like Undertaker's early matches with Kurt Angle. It felt like yeah. just a match that anybody could wrestle with the Undertaker. Oh, just go for the leg, and you know it is what makes you unique as a as a wrestler. Yeah, I agree. It didn't do a whole lot for swagger. Um, certainly good for the crowd and attendance, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. No. From there, we go to a more anticipated matchup with some real stellar work as it's Kozlov taking on Magruba. Um, and they're just referring to him as Magruba, so uh, apologies if this is sounding weird to anyone, but he's playing his character on the show here. Well, in the run-up to that match, did you spot... They, so they had a backstage segment with Jericho talking to the Straight Edge Society because they're going to team up for the main event, and Punk wrapped his hair in a towel? No, I didn't see that. Oh, it's like, you know, the, like the Marge Simpson thing that women do to put their hair up in the towel and stuff. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, and then yeah, I did. You're right. I did miss this segment because then Jericho um, gives advice to MacGruber and tells the the female. I can't remember what her name was. Um, that's in the show. Um, she, famous actress. She was in Bridesmaids and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, Kristen Wiig. She she could. Yeah, she could be in the movie with Jericho when he gets his spin off sequel. Yeah, because Jericho had a cameo in this film, and he's all yeah. I mean Hollywood. Uh... I saw what happened to you earlier. Look, I don't want to talk. Yeah, okay, fine. It, right? Listen to me then. Stop talking. Listen. If you guys stay with my plan and do what I say and follow me, we'll win this match. No look, problem. Okay. Listen. No, no, to no. no. Me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look look what happened to you. Okay? I don't want to talk. About I have beaten Rey Mysterio, Triple H, and Edge more than more than I can remember. Okay. So just listen to what I say. Stay in line, and this won't happen to you again. You got it? I beat all those guys too. Yeah. 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 Just pay attention to what I say. Jericho, buddy, <laughs> it's good to see you. I haven't seen you since the movie wrapped. You were so good in it, by the way. Wasn't he good? He was the best part about MacGruber. MacGruber. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> you know what, MacGruber, you can stop with the shameless pandering because I realize how much of a star-making performance I had in MacGruber. The reviews have been off the charts. As a matter of fact, they're talking about a possible early Oscar nomination. Yeah, and I spoke to the director earlier as well, and they're talking about doing a sequel, but with me in the title role. Oh, yeah. Jericho! Got MacGruber in his sights, just a bulbous parasite! Jericho! Thinks MacGruber's just a tool, and his hair is much more cool! Jericho! Flip! Yeah, that's really good. That's good. Yeah, uh, look, uh, the reason I'm here is you might have heard, but I have a match next with Vladimir Kozlov, and, you know, not that I need it, but uh, I was wondering if you had any advice, you know, star mm -hmm. athlete to star athlete. Mm -hmm. Good move, MacGruber, asking my advice. That's smart. Yeah. And I do have a couple tips for you. Oh, great, great. Yeah, yeah. I want you to walk into the ring, walk straight up to Kozlov, look him in the eye, and extend your hand. Great advice, Jericho. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I, I've seen the look in his eyes. He's not going to accept it. Of course he's not going to accept it. But when you throw him off his game, you smack him in the face, which leaves the door wide open to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you can rip out his throat. You can tear off his ear. You turn his tongue to jello. Whatever you do best, MacGruber. Trust me. Oh, shake his hand. I am so grateful to have a friend like you. Thank you, brother. Wow. Anything for you, MacGruber. 
for you too, Vicky. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're so shiny. Vicky, come on. Jericho! It's got a ring to it, doesn't it? Does. <laughs> Maybe I'll have you in the sequel. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Punter's Haven. If you're an Australian resident and like winning money, you owe it to yourself to go and check out Punter's Haven on Facebook. Step one, head over to Facebook, check out Punter's Haven, tell them Lee sent you and sign up for your first three months. Step two, step three, profit. So what are you waiting for? With winning tips on many major sports and horse racing, Punter's Haven are definitely going to have the tip for you. So head on over there and get that meat sauce, baby. Yeah, he was. Um, Jericho played the creep part to perfection here, touching the, the the girl's hair as he spoke. From there, we do go to that Kozlov versus Magruba match, and we get started with a big slap from Magruba, and then Kozlov grabs a hold of him and starts headbutting him, lifts him up for a choke slam. But another cast member from Magruba comes out and says he's called the WWE officers and he's had this change to a handicap match. Um, and he brings out Magruba's half-brother, Carl Luba, which is the great Carly, and it's very lame, and he's dressed like Magruba, and I hate having to watch this crap. <laughs> I hate wrestling. Although, but one thing I did love is that Lillian, when she was announcing Magruba, uh, she made sure to reiterate that he's undefeated. <laughs> and um, Jerry Lawler wins my heart for saying something that could come straight out of my mouth when he says... It looks like Magruba's dad had a baby with Tina Turner. <laughs> oh, the hair. Yeah, oh. it was just brilliant. <laughs> um, we get a beat down from Carly and then the big chop. Kozlov runs um, and Carly chases for a count out because Magruba was still in the ring. He wins. So um, very, very lame. And this is that where I wrote watching this. I can now see why Duncan said the pay-per-views were better than the TVs at this time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he plugged Shrek 4 by accident before remembering to plug his old movie after that dud of a segment. Yeah, it was pretty awful. The less said, the better. Um, we go into a hype video for John Cena and Batista, and Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole run down the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, um, including Jerry Lawler incorrectly announcing the big cage match between Edge and Christian. I spotted that too. Yeah, I um, I wish I I don't know about you, but um, it's funny because like I'm actually going to be reviewing uh, a couple of sort of shows out of left field with hopefully a new guest host in the next couple of weeks, and there's a Jericho Edge match on that, and I talk on that show about how I really just don't enjoy these two as a pair. I don't know what it is, but their matches have never excited me. Like that, the ones we've seen on our timeline here the only really big ones i've seen because like when they feuded in 2002 it wasn't on pay-per-view and i couldn't really watch wrestling unless kyle recorded the pay-per-view for me so i totally missed out on all that yeah never did it for me then these are two guys that i really like and like you know as workers as well as characters and think they have great matches but just together they've never excited me i don't know why Mm. It just annoyed me because, you know, Edge versus Christian was never seen as this big time matchup by Vince McMahon and Edge is kind of winding down here and I really wish we could have seen it. I know, Christian deserved a lot better than what he got. Mm. They do wrestle on, well, might be spoilers, they do wrestle 
at some point oh, very this cool. year. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a raw match. I hope we get it. I really hope we get it now. Fingers crossed. From here, we go to Triple H, Edge, and Rey Mysterio taking on um, Gallows, Punk, and Jericho. Sheamus is on the Titan trying as Triple H enters, and he beats up a camera guy, um, which is, yeah, it is what it is. That's a, a message to Triple H. <laughs> I guess it kind of mirrors Triple H joking uh, in the opening segment about, oh, I could wrestle Frank the audio guy. Yeah, I guess so. Um Edge limps out and they show an attack on SmackDown, Jericho attacking his leg. And we get the match underway with everyone else following suit. Um, we get a head scissors from Ray and a backdrop from Triple H out onto the floor. Um, so that takes us into our first commercial. Punk works over Ray for a little bit. Um, Gallows comes in. Um, Jericho comes in next and hits a back suplex and a slingshot. Edge comes in and hits a drop kick, which is probably ill-advised for someone with a leg injury and a shoulder block. Uh, he then hits the edge of Matic before the heels take over on Edge. Eventually, he fires back with a second rope clothesline and gets a hot tag to Triple H, who hits the high knee, the face buster, a clothesline, and a spine buster before going into a six-man brawl. And CM Punk gets hit with a 619, which is one of those rare wrestling moments where he takes a move that lands him on his feet rather than down and straight into the pedigree for the 1-2-3. What did you think about this one as a main event? I thought it was just fun, really. Um, it kept the plot point of Edge's injury, which they decided to totally ignore uh, on the actual pay-per-view alive. But, um, yeah, really solved the tension between Ray and Punk. And I think I mentioned this on our uh, Spring Stampede episode back on my podcast. This double hot tag formula that they have for television tag matches, it just works all the time, yeah. And the finish was nice and frank as well. I enjoyed it. Head and shoulders above everything else on this show as far as the enjoyment factor goes. Yeah, I I did like this match. I thought it was fast-paced and enjoyable and had some good guys in there. Um, Yeah, nothing really bad to say about it. I thought this was the only decent bit of wrestling on the entire show, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. Um, And yeah, as as an overall, I really probably didn't enjoy Raw too much. What about you? Again, um unintentionally felt very similar to Impact in a way. Very talky, very limited set of characters. A few of the same characters getting multiple segments. Um, Yeah, I I get that they had to scramble things together because of uh, natural disaster. Not uh, Earthquake and Typhoon, but... uh... (laughs) I wish it was Earthquake and Typhoon. (laughs) Can you imagine if it was actually actual Earthquake... Jumping up and down in his big sweaty jocks <laughs> with a dick fat, <laughs> making that volcano go off, and then cutting the f- promo from Belfast on everyone. Triple H, we're not letting the plane come. It's a natural disaster. <laughs> just, just screaming into the camera. Like, You're not gonna go overseas anymore, uh, <laughs> Jack Tunney. <laughs> Because this earthquake is a seven on a Richter scale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd have loved an earthquake promo on this show. It would have made it highly enjoyable. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't love this, but I suppose it's probably going to be easier if we compare the two to each other. So should we head over and pick ourselves a winner? Yeah, let's figure this out. 
All right, so as always, we're going to go through the five categories. Um, starting off this week with storylines. Duncan, who do you feel had the best storylines on the night? Mm, um, I'm going to narrowly give this to TNA here. Um, it was all very... It's like a mixture of self-contained stuff and uh, carrying on uh, events from lockdown that I thought worked well. Raw gave a good chunk of its show to the useless MacGruber stuff, which I strongly disliked. So that had it working against it for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably unfortunate that Raw lost a lot of their characters and therefore couldn't do a lot to advance their stories. But TNA obviously had a few stories carrying on or moving along to so the tag title, the X division, the world title, the um, Hogan flair storyline, um, all advanced or, or finished. Um, yeah, I thought, and even the, the knockouts division as much as crap as it was advances storyline some more, whereas raw really didn't do a whole lot other than cut a few promos based on the guys not being there. So it was what it was, but I went with TNA as well. Um, who do you think showcased the better characters on the night? I'm going to go with a tie here uh, because, like I was saying earlier, they're very, very similar in that they focus on a very small subset of their characters. TNA from trying to play up the importance of their world title, Raw due to unforeseen circumstances, and then they both each had their own trump card. Like TNA had the surprise of Joe, Raw had the surprise of The Undertaker. So I thought they were very evenly matched as far as I was concerned. Fair enough. I um I f- fell on the TNA side again. I just thought burying Drew McIntyre and Matt Hardy in a two-minute match with no entrances, but having 20-plus minutes to dedicate to McGruber um, showed a real lack of, you know, being in tune with what your audience wants for Raw. So TNA kept the stuff I didn't care about short and had more of the people I did care about. So even with an Undertaker appearance on Raw, I still felt TNA showcased characters better. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, what about crowd? Who do you think had the hotter crowd on the night? Mm, uh, wasn't really noticeable. Nothing really notable either way here, really. Um, I'm just going to go with the old 15,000 beats, 1,500 theory and go with Raw just by default here. Yeah, I probably went with Raw too. Um TNA probably had the more rabid crowd moments overall, but I thought if you consider the fact that half the show you've paid for is missing, or probably more than half, the Raw crowd didn't seem bothered by it. And I think as much as he was a bit of a dickhead in the opening segment, Triple H probably did enough to keep the crowd feeling happy with that opening segment. So yeah, I went Raw too. Um, I also went Raw for production value. Did you follow suit on that one, or have you seen something I've missed? No, absolutely Raw for me. Um like the satellite link promos with Belfast were pretty impressive. TNA had lots of flubs, like uh, Mike Tanay being surprised when they came back from commercial, key moments of matches happening during commercial, promos setting up matches for next week happening during commercial, and um, I guess it's more of like a healthcare and a production standpoint, but nobody treating Rob Van Dam's fucking cut on his head. <laughs> Yeah, I um, all of that is absolutely true. Um, I just yeah, TNA had quite a few misses and Raw, you know, managed to 
lose half their roster and still have them involved and put a show on without noticing any, you know, I'm guessing there were some production people gone too and it, it went through pretty seamlessly. Mm. Uh, match quality, who did you go with? Impact for me, uh, just because they had two matches of worth as opposed to just Raw's main event. And um, there was some, like the the Lethal Lockdown rematch and Undertaker and Swagger were at a similar sort of level for me, but I felt like TNA's Lockdown rematch did a lot more for the people involved. And yeah, um, like we were talking earlier, Raw... They're both talky shows, but Raw had the useless non-match with McGruber and stuff, and Impact never really sank that low for me. Yeah, Impact's wrestling was really a lot better than Raw's for my money, so this is actually the narrowest of wins for Impact because we've got four uh, categories for Raw, uh, one tie and five categories for Impact, so a very, very narrow win, but I definitely, I think it's fair. I enjoyed Impact more than I enjoyed Raw. Um, overall, would you say that you felt the same way, or do you think that's a little bit misleading? No, definitely, yeah. Um, they were both sort of easy watches because they're talky shows, but uh, yeah, TNA was a, a lot more consistent than Raw. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's... um. I, I think it's a little... Looking ahead, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I talked earlier about the massive crowd drop from the start to now for TNA, and I think the next show we're going to review, Duncan, has actually got the biggest drop of crowds from any of them, and I found that quite surprising because out of these two shows, I thought TNA was better, so oh. to see them lose as much as their audience as they do, which we'll talk about next time, is um yeah very surprising because I... If I'd have watched these two shows, I definitely would have enjoyed Impact more, and I think I'd have been more inclined to watch Impact than Raw the next week. Mm, so maybe we're seeing a, a kind of backlash with Hogan's signees going over Impact Originals. Quite possibly. Mm, we'll have to look into that next time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a good chat about the ratings and the overall decline on the next episode because I think that's probably the one where it's it's most relevant. But yeah, I my overall, I, despite saying all that, I guess my overall feeling having coming out of this was this was probably one of the the biggest drags out of any of the episodes we've done as far as what I had to watch. I didn't love anything I watched, and while some of it was better than other, overall it was really it it was definitely two thousand and ten wrestling. Yeah, nothing really that uh, exceeded my expectations of television wrestling. Um, like, where I thought, oh, this should be on a pay-per-view instead. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't recall writing down this should have gotten five more minutes at any point. <laughs> Although RVD and AJ probably should have been given longer. Yeah, that's a, that was a... Um, yeah, I think Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy was the best match across both shows. And if you're going to do a title change, maybe you could have got the actual title match goal a bit longer. Yeah. But no, overall, that's pretty much it. Um, that is, well, that's it for this episode anyway. Um, you said you've got your WrestleMania episode coming up soon. When are you expecting that one to drop? Um, who, who is it that says it now? When it's ready, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about 40 or 50 minutes into the like first pass. Um, so I've got a lot to do. But it was an absolute riot. I loved it. It's good to have like a nice positive WrestleMania to talk about. Yeah, it was. There was some good stuff on this past Mania. I just, 
I just wish it was half the length. <laughs> yeah, totally with you there. I mean, I'm, I said to my, you know what? I said to my brother who I watched it with this year, we've not watched a WrestleMania together in years. And we thought, no, let's do it. Like, you know, there's going to be some good stuff on there. There'll probably be some title changes. Let's, let's make a day of it. We'll get some, some pizza or something in and we'll watch WrestleMania. So we did. And I just, during the show, like, cause we, we visibly tired and it was daytime for us. It's not like you guys, like it finished probably about 4 PM for us. So, we, and I, we both had, weren't working. Um, and I just said to him, imagine if they took all the, um, all the participants of the, um, the U S title match, the intercontinental title match, and a few of the other, you know, sort of lower card things, put them all in one massive 40 man or whatever, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal to open the show and the winner of that gets a title match at the next pay-per-view. Like how much more would that have meant than all the individual matches that just dragged the show out? Yeah, there are a fair few things that didn't need to be on WrestleMania for me. Uh, And I get why they want to give them a payday, but like they could do something that not only gets them all on the show, but shortens the show and has, as Eric Bischoff likes to say, stakes. Stakes and weights, baby. <laughs> so yeah, that that would have been my uh, suggestion. Do that and um, get rid of the pre-show as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, if you're busy waiting for for our WrestleMania episode coming out, I was recently on the latest episode of Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of professional wrestling. I was talking with our friend Andrew about progress wrestling wrestlers themes uh which is a lot of fun again very cool yeah definitely go and check that out um this one should be a fairly easy one to edit so from today not that anyone knows they'll it'll they'll know it from when it drops um but it shouldn't be too long we'll have this one out as i said i do have another surprise show coming up hopefully the next week or two i won't spoil it in case schedules don't line up too easily and i don't want to put it off um i've got a Raw and Nitro episode I've been holding for a few weeks that I'm going to record this week and finally get done. And, um, yeah, then Richie and I will be back talking the 80s soon, and we've got to finish this little run pretty soon in the, in the near future as well. It's three, three weeks left, three weeks left. We can do it, we can do it. Home stretch now. Yes. That'll do it for me today then. Um, thank you all for listening as usual and feel free to leave a review or comment on Twitter about the show. Get in touch with myself or Duncan. Definitely check out then now whatever and leave a review and some positive comments for those guys if you can. And I will speak to you all again very soon. Thank you. Cheers, everyone.
Diddy from the city they call LB. What y'all know about the DOG? I keep my peeps with a bag of treats. On the streets, my nephews beat that beat and keep that heat in the cut and indiscreet. Me and Dub C cripping cousins in this industry. A lot of y'all pretend to be. Wanna see friends with me and then wanna sleep with the enemy? Want some, get some, bad enough, take some. Suckers popping off, I'm about to take one. Break some, make done, don't want none. And just cause we talking, what you doing, sleep walking? It's not just a dance, it's a way of living. Now, if you're sleep walking, you're best to see cripping. And that go for kids too, and RB singer. But quit crip walking if you ain't a gang I'm gonna roll, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna stay fly. Out of the mess classes, this is for them riders, riding for them limbs, ghetto kids on them big shiny rims, crash in your back ass, you're bringing the massacre, dropping on your grass stick, another hood classic, love the ghetto Heisman, senior mo cabbage, a stream year living on CEO status, unlike the rack, dev jam, cock your back, recess is over, I want my spot back, who's the next off the city to blow, coming at him, in the peak coat and Stacey Adams, you're looking at him. Continue covering from the Ghetto Olympics. Sneaker Jones just won the Kool-Aid competition. <laughs> 